everyone, we're Asteroids in Exile. Welcome to Season 2, the first episode for 2017, us kicking off uh, our podcast about general geekery from an outsider's point of view. My name is Niv. And I'm Martin. And I welcome and, you as well. <laughs> and we're Asteroids, Asteroids in Exile. Yeah. Right, we're back. Cool. So we're back for Season 2. So um, I guess some general things is just around um, us wanting to do a full season two, um, another at least 10 episodes, right? Yeah. Um, with all the big moving and shaking happening in 2017 in the, uh, movie comic and, uh, pop culture world. So we're looking forward to expressing our thoughts and, and judgments on, on everything that goes on. Especially our judgments. Uh, especially our judgments. We're a very judgy, judgy crew up here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so what we wanted to do for this first episode was just sort of talk about at the high level um, some of the things that uh, happened over the last couple of weeks since we've been away. Um, so we've had Rogue One come out, a whole bunch of new comic trailers, comic book movie trailers come out, um, and some the movie news about what's happening this year and what, what we are looking forward to, what we're not looking forward what to. We, uh, <laughs> what, we, what we will boycott. What we'll boycott, yeah, um, and general stuff. So let's start with Rogue One. So that was the biggest release um, in the last couple of months. So it's still trending. It's still like in the top 10, 10 yeah. movies after after six weeks or so. Isn't so, it amazing to think so that, um, you know, nobody will, will bother trying to beat a Star Wars movie for the foreseeable future? Yeah, so I was pretty much going to own December, I think, when it yeah. comes to uh, the box office and release schedules. And you're seeing that a lot of movies already, like a lot of studios are just staying away from not releasing anything in December. I hope that they do put up something. I mean, it'll be cool if there was another brand, like another series um, to challenge Star Wars, you know, to see if they can dethrone it. Because the thing is, Disney's going to own it forever now, right? And they could just keep that story going forever and ever and ever. And they will acquire another franchise that can beat Star Wars. Maybe they'll start putting up Indiana Jones against Star Wars. You know, it's just be <laughs> a Disney versus Disney match or something. I don't know. It would be great. Um, yeah, but I I hope that they um, that there can be some competition because that that will help keep Star Wars on its toes. You know, yeah. they won't become complacent about boring stories and you know just trying to fill well, fill the gap and go through the motions. So what did you think of Rogue One? Um, it's certain it. It's a very brave movie, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, given given its nature as as being derived from just uh, uh, a line in the in the opening crawl. Yeah. Um, and it it looks beautiful, and it's beautifully designed, and it sounds beautiful. But I I, I didn't think much of the movie of the movie itself. Really, I think it was um, rather rather convoluted, uh, too too big for its own uh, to carry its own weight uh, in right. in some way. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, let's look uh, or let's see how the the Star Wars story format uh, will uh, will be developed over the coming years. But you know, for me, it wasn't a good start into the the, the standalone movie um, franchise. Which is interesting. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought um, as a standalone movie, 
I wasn't expecting much from it. I wasn't expecting the normal Star Wars things. What I wanted to see was what does the rest of the Star Wars universe look like outside of Jedis and Skywalkers. And that's effectively what Rogue One was, you know. Um, a lot of people that I spoke to actually disliked it for that very same reason. I mean, I I, I, I was in an Uber uh, with the, the, the driver was um, a massive Star Wars fan. And I knew that because his phone rang and it was the Darth Vader theme <laughs> <laughs> when his phone rang in the car. So I asked him, I said, you know, are you a Star Wars fan? He was like, yeah, you know, I really love it. Um, and I asked him if he was going to go watch Rogue One and he goes, eh, not interested. There's no Skywalkers. To me, Star Wars is about the Skywalker storyline, you know, so he wasn't interested in Rogue One at all because it didn't have to connect to that. So it also, it feels like there's a whole contingent of even Star Wars fans who just are tuned out of the Star Wars storyline of movies, you know. So it's an interesting one. That's sad to hear because I think... Uh Even even if you if you think that Star Wars is um, um, unshakably un, entwined with the, the the Skywalker story, uh, like like you said, I think um, the, the the story movies are a good uh, a way to explore the further Star Wars universe and and explore further ideas. And this could have been a, a, a great movie, but it was it it tried to harken back to the. The Skywalker saga tropes, uh, uh, mm -hmm. in in like, in some way, like like what what kind of tropes? Uh, the whole uh, uh, family business, family affairs, sins of the father uh, gets passed right. down uh, to the to the children and and stuff. And um, I think we talked about it uh, in our, our preparation talk uh, that they incorporated things that. Um, or, or so many things that you just don't know, like Sogarera, uh, which you you don't know if you haven't watched uh, Clone Wars, and you know then he 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 gets built up to play a, a, a not a pivotal role but an imp important role, and then get and gets uh, brushed away with the dust. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, no, that that was a fair point. I thought the first half or the first two thirds of the movie are a little bit weak, especially because they put Saul Guerrero in there and it's like, he didn't do anything. Like that was pointless. Why have a, a, a character that really amounts to nothing in the end? Like it was cool to look at and um, see Forrest Whitaker in that role, but at the same time, wholly unneeded, I think, and they could have yeah. done without it. Um, so, I mean, structurally there were, there, there were issues. Um, The characters were quite interesting, but I felt like there were just too many characters sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They could have combined some, you know, two or two characters into one and like had less screen time, um, but had more of a story associated with that character. Yeah, easily. So, so, but I enjoyed just the, um, the last bit, I think really woke me up. It started to drag in the middle for me a little bit in yeah. terms of like just the weight of the story, like you said. But um, the, the the last action sequence, getting everyone to do what they needed to do to get the message out and get those plans onto the ship, um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that I, was I the, that was well made. The action sequence yeah. was done. It was well. But you made. can tell. I mean, it was one of those situations with um, with the movie where they just filmed a whole lot and then put the movie together in the editing room. Yeah, because uh, you know, you know, they, everyone's. Um, Everyone's saying that there's just so many uh, shots from the trailers that didn't make it into, into the movie. And it's like 
I think they kind of re-edited it to kind of be not about uh, the central character, um, Jen Erso, yeah. and more about the team. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's part of where those structural issues came from. Yeah. So. Yeah, and there are those, but, those nitpicky things like the, the data uh, acquiry center. Uh, you know, the, the, the setup that they have the, these columns with the hard disks or the, the storage medias in the middle. Oh, and then you look yeah. on, onto it from one side and you can't control the robot when you need data, uh, uh, a hard disk from, from the other side. <laughs> You're screwed. Yeah, um, I was thinking about this as I was watching Star Wars Rebels as well. Like, there's a lot of <laughs> stuff in Star Wars. It's just about yeah. looking good. Yeah. You know, like, it looks like a really awesome thing, but the practicalities of it would just be stupid. Like, yeah. Like you said, like you can't see the back of, of the data bank. bank yeah. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, maybe you have to rotate the thing. But I don't know, like they, they didn't show us that. But then I defended uh, the satellite dish calibration controls being on this small walkway that sticks out yeah. of the tower. Because I said, yeah, well, how can you calibrate the, the satellite dish if you can't see it? <laughs> well, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Because that, that bothered a coworker of mine. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But um, look, I, I, at this stage, Star Wars has its own reality, its own physics, and its own sense of design and yeah. um, practicality. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so they don't, they don't generally design things to be the most practical and efficient, yeah, well. <laughs> like the satellite dish and the, um, and the, the, the data bank op operations. <laughs> But I, you know, I, I still think it's, it's a great movie if you just want to watch a really good adventure story. Um, and what I also liked about it was that kind of the story ended like with those characters, which they could have done a better job to kind of draw out the characters and, you know, to tell us about the characters yeah. and make us care more about the characters. But it's a great movie to just kind of get some sort of um, like a full story. Like you see the yeah. end, you know, yeah. as opposed to a lot of movies and stuff these days where it's all about the next sequel and you know the the next movie in that series this one kind of closes off the story so you can get a sense of completion a sense of closure yeah and it's and at the same time catapult yourself into episode four <laughs> <laughs> catapult yourself is the best way to describe yeah. it yeah on running away from a certain master of the dark arts <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're trying not to do too many spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was cool. I think, um, overall I thought, I thought it was pretty solid despite the fact that it was, uh, hacked together, um, and had some structural issues, but you know, you can't have everything, I guess. No, no. <laughs> let's hope, let's hope they can do better with, uh, with episode eight and, um, And the Han Solo solo movie. So, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully they reveal something like, you know, Tarkin's journal. And at one time he writes in, start date 7447. I've been really hard on director Krennic and perhaps it was a bad move to take away the death star from him. I'm sad that he's dead, um, but I'll send his mother flowers as an, as an apology. Because Tarkin really was an asshole in that movie, and it did, just didn't fit into into the character into the character that we experienced him uh, until now. In episode, well, in episode four, yeah, and the yeah, okay, you know, I've read the the, the Tarkin novel and how uh -huh. he behaves in Rebels, and uh, you know, his his almost childish, petty behavior in in, in Rogue One 
yeah it did not sit well, well with me you know he yeah, could have overtaken rebels, the thing after krennic died rebels happens before rogue one right y- yeah but have you uh, you there's uh, a, a general Syndulla is called out in the rebel base at some point in rogue one but it's not clear if it's hera or her father and you see a chopper uh driving through the through the rebel base when they when they gear up for the for the final confrontation on 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 the beach planet oh really yeah so it lines up there yeah okay no i haven't seen that yet because um i'm i'm only halfway through rebel so i guess that's still coming no it's in in rogue one you have those references in rogue one really yeah oh i missed that so hold on <laughs> so Hera is potentially mentioned in Rogue One. Yeah, Hera or, or Chopper. Her father. Chopper is actually in the frame. He drives through the frame at one point. Is it actually, is it Chopper with the orange? Yep. Or Chopper yeah. no, no, painted to look like a... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's cool. Well, that would be cool. I mean, I would love to eventually see a live-action Ezra and a live-action Kanan. That, that would be, be great, cool. yeah. So, but you know, and I'm Freddie Prince almost... Jr. should play Kanan. <laughs> what? Written, Freddy Prince Jr. in the live action version as well. Does he do the voice he for does the um, voice for Kanan? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Okay, so <laughs> that's cool. Um I did not realize that. There you go. It's Prince changed my whole in the credits. It's, it's changed my whole view of uh of Kanan now that I know that Freddie Prince Jr. is doing it. I mean, not that it's a bad thing. It's just it's no, interesting. I, I, I was expecting someone old and wise to be Kanan. You know, Freddie Prince Jr. I still think of from like his days as a teenage heartthrob kind of thing. So Perhaps he calls himself Freddie Prince now because he became wise. Because he's no longer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freddie Prince the wise. The wise. With a name like Freddie Prince, you know. How can you not be wise? Right? Yeah, you have lost some sympathy points with such a name. <laughs> uh cool so all right so that's um that's rogue one what do you think about uh the reveal for the name for episode eight it's a great name and i want what i'd like to know is how many people bash their heads together to come up with the name or if it was you know the first thing the last jedi let's call it the last jedi because it's it could mean anything Jedi is the plural of Jedi. <laughs> yeah, is it Luke? Yeah, exactly. Or who is it? So it's it could it could either be super profound, or it could just be something that like we need to come up with a name. Just give it that. <laughs> Let's just roll with it. Yeah, uh, which in which in itself, I guess, is the genius of the name. So yeah. the name is uh, Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, yeah, yeah. and so we don't know whether that's a singular Jedi or a plural Jedi. And they change the color of the of the Star Wars font from yellow to red. Mm-hmm. The Sith color. I mean, could mean it could just be a design <laughs> choice, but you know we're. <laughs> but is anything done unintentionally? Could it be that maybe the graphic designer was colorblind and just <laughs> chose the wrong <laughs> wrong color on the color picker? You know, it would be amazing. <laughs> There's a massive misdirect. Yeah, I mean, so the way it was revealed was a red Star Wars with the Last Jedi yeah. in between the Star and the Wars, right? So um, I don't know what that means in terms of um, the fight between good and evil. It could be a shift. So 
um, usually the second movie. So the second movie in the two trilogies was Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and um, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the yeah. Clones, right? So they were both kind of like, um, I guess, the Empire or the the big bad making making its making its push. And so, can we expect something like that now? So, whatever this, what's the the, the new the new Empire called? Oh, uh, the um, First Order. The First Order. So it's the First Order making its push potentially. I mean, it's it's uh. It's the most possible solution because the the New Republic got wiped out in in Episode Seven. There, mm -hmm. there, there should be some remaining forces, and uh, the Resistance uh, was wasn't uh, is only a, a ragtag group because it can't be officially funded by the by the New Republic because of a peace treaty they had with the First Order. Blah blah blah. So I guess um, it it's gonna be the The big push, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's interesting? And yeah. who are I mean, who are who are the remaining Jedi at this stage in the universe? So we only know of Luke. Yeah. We don't know of anyone uh, else, right? Potentially Ray, uh, perhaps some some other survivors from his school. Perhaps there were others. They kept that pretty uh, pretty unexplained. Yeah, the whole thing with his school and and Kylo Ren rebelling. Yeah, um, there could be other students. Students, yeah. Because, but we we don't know what happened, right? Yeah. As in, like, Kylo Ren apparently killed a whole bunch of people, people when yeah. he when he kind of lost it and he lost his mind. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, it, could it? Do you think that um, John Boyega's character would become a Jedi as well, Finn? Well, with um. It would be neat, and with um, how was he called, Chirut Imwe, Don Yen in in Rogue One, we've seen that um, there are people who are uh, perhaps force force sensitive, but no no actual Jedi. And it would be neat if um, at least they 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 gave him a light lightsaber, you know, democratized lightsabers, lightsabers for everybody. Maybe that's what it's like. It's like Oprah shows up. She's like, you get a lightsaber <laughs> and you get a lightsaber. Lightsaber is for everyone. <laughs> and that actually happens in the in the Marvel Star Wars comic in the in the second of really? the arc. Yeah, they find a, a warehouse with lightsabers and Han, Chewie and Leia each get a lightsaber. Uh, you know, the problem with that, right, is that lightsabers being the equivalent of swords, if you don't know what you're doing, you can chop your hand off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think lightsabers should come with a level of training, like I mean, a minimum you, requirement. You could potentially kill yourself by just looking into the emitter, you know? Yeah, you like, know if it's a lightsaber. What is that? Exactly. Put a hole in your head is what would happen. It wouldn't even take your eye out. It would just punch right through. <laughs> uh, that's just making me queasy now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I'm um, obviously very excited to see where they go with it and what it all means. I hope that it's not um, that they don't kind of like jump the shark and like just bring out like all these random Jedi that didn't exist before uh, and were in hiding the whole time, you know? Yeah, that would be um, a, a, a detriment. But perhaps, you know, Luke, uh, and that's a theory, when if Luke hit Rey on, uh, on Jakku, perhaps he has hidden other young students as well and now they go out 
on a on a road trip through the known through the known galaxy, recruiting get the band back together, together yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Blues Brothers in space. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you think that that is something Luke would have done? Is like hidden kids around the place, or do you think he only hid Ray because of he has a special connection to her, i.e., he's her father? You know that would be the the the, the best explanation for it. Um, that he's he's yeah he's, I'm your daddy. I mean, yeah. you maybe it's it's like the second episode in the in the new series, right? So he needs to say at some point, "I am your father." <laughs> you know, uh, really, no. I just wanted to practice that line. I heard that line in a very <laughs> stressful moment. <laughs> yeah, I need to. I need to work. So, Ray, I need to work through my own catharsis <laughs> and let you know that I am your father. <laughs> Join me. <laughs> yeah. And together track. we could rule the galaxy as father. <laughs> you know, there's a, great, there's a great symmetry there. Like, Join me on the light side and together we will liberate the universe from the God. oppression of the... You know. That would be amazing if they, if they mirror that scene. Yeah. They just need to find another platform to walk on. <laughs> Your best pin is, is probably still operational. Luke <laughs> just goes there. Yeah, no, it meets old like, Lando um, and says, "Hey, we have to borrow your platform there." Ray, yeah, you well, go I'm, over there. <laughs> I stay he's, here. he's he's already on the Iron Islands, right? So he just needs to find a swing bridge. So I just put uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> throw in there. So a, a swing bridge, like in Pike in Game of Thrones, <laughs> you know, and you see, they, they need to be on the swing bridge. And that's when he tells her that whole line. <laughs> now stretch out your hand. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm your dad. Oops. No. <laughs> Don't worry. We're very good with robotic prosthesis. These days. Yeah. It's fine. It's no piggy. Yeah. And the medical droid walks out behind you. <laughs> Here's one I prepared earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So I think, you know, probably not much more to say about that rather than speculation because yeah. that's all they revealed, right? Just the last Jedi. So we have to, we can, um, we can speculate all we want, but we just got to wait for the first trailer of some, some more leaked news. But Star Wars does a very good job of keeping, keeping things secret. Um, you know, the, the level of um, control about leaks they have is pretty good. Yeah, it's amazing. Compared to some... Yeah, because they shoot everything on a soundstage, right? So it's much easier to... Um, <laughs> like, they aren't doing they aren't doing li- live action um, recording in the streets of Detroit or anything. So it's, no, but they, it's much... They shot something down in Croatia, and they built uh, drone-killing drones to keep... Well... Uh, drones out of the vicinity all right so they built a drone killer for paparazzi drones effectively yeah that is so star wars though that is almost like <laughs> With drone and drone wars that's great <laughs> i wonder if their drones actually look like the imperial drones from <laughs> from like rogue one you know the ones that come down and like search for things that's so cool just imagine standing there sending your own drone out with the remote control and then you hear the you know the the drones. <laughs> I do, I would shit myself. And just run away. It's the Empire, run! <laughs> like an extra in a Chewy costume rocks up behind you. Starts to shoot the Disney drone. <laughs> What's going on? You know, I'm scarred for uh, for life here. Uh, it's like my life is turned into Star Wars. I mean, we we live in a post reality world anyway, so anything yeah. could happen. <laughs> Everything could happen. 
Um, all right, cool. So, uh, should we wrap up the Star Wars thing and move on to? Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, do you, did you want to talk about Split? Uh, yeah. Everyone, everyone else is talking about Split, so we put it on the list because we wanted to address it. Yeah, well, I love banana splits. Really tasty thing. <laughs> uh, the movie Split, I'm not sure about because I heard a lot of um, people who I, I trust with their opinion in movies are uh, telling me that. Uh, it's great to see James McAvoy. Uh, is it James McAvoy? Yeah, McAvoy. Uh, uh, portray uh, the role of the uh, of the multiple personality disorder uh, bad guy. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 twist at the end that we won't spoil. Yeah, yeah, we won't spoil it. Uh, doesn't uh, justify um, the good reviews uh, or the good press the movie actually gets. It's a, a I mean, a, a colleague told me it's a, a ballsy move to do that, and he respects uh, M Night Shyamalan for for doing so. But uh, it doesn't justify the good press the movie gets. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I heard as well. I. I refuse to watch it because I protest any M. Night Shyamalan movie because he destroyed Avatar, The Last Airbender. So I refuse to watch any of yeah. his movies anymore. And they and every other movie, aside from The Sixth Sense that I've watched, has just been a waste of time. So I'm expecting the same from this one. I think um, I've heard that it's getting pretty mediocre reviews for the movie itself, but everyone's really excited by the twist ending. Yeah. Um, but eh, to me, that's not enough to warrant me going out and actually spending money to watch this this movie um so yeah i'm gonna not watch it and rather spend my time doing other things <laughs> um so yeah so i think um james mcavoy's performance looks good just from the trailers um looks like you know there's a lot of uh it looks quite innovative actually like just to see the different personality types and the way he's put it together. But at the same time, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather see James McAvoy do something better after this and learn from this movie experience oh, yeah. and be able to bring us a better performance next time rather than, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to see what he actually does in this movie unless it's like on a plane or something. So yeah, that's that's what we want to say about Split. So that's pretty much all we had to say at this point. Yeah. It's a protest. It's a protest that we're not going to watch it because of, well, for me personally, because he destroyed The Last Airbender. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. I've forgotten that he did the, the Last Airbender movie. Because, uh, yeah, we did a pretty good job to repress that movie out of our minds. Yeah. I mean, the best animated TV show ever, and he goes and destroys it with one movie. It's yeah. the most tragic thing ever. So, uh, All right. Any other movies on your radar at the moment? So I guess this is, we can go through the trailers that have yeah, come out. Yeah, let's, let's do that. All right, so the first one is the second Logan trailer. Have you had a chance to, to watch yeah, that I've, yet? Yeah, I've watched it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it looks surprisingly good. I'm actually having uh, hopes that Logan will make uh, the other two Wolverine movies uh, worthwhile. You know, like... <laughs> Like the the twist in 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 Split, <laughs> yeah. The, the last third uh, brings uh, justifies the the first two. Films. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's not just the last third. You know, even with Rogue One, we talked about how the last third of the movie was like what what actually made it. And with Split, everyone's talking about the end and how that kind of justified watching the movie for them. I hope that 
Wolverine is not just a last third type deal. I hope that the whole movie <laughs> ends okay. up being good because Wolverine really needs a, a, a solid win at this stage. Like, I mean, the third in the sense of the trilogy that the oh, last right. movie justifies the, the <laughs> other two being produced. You know, keep Sorry, yeah. keep, you know, probably, uh, keep um, what's his face? Hugh Jackman in shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wolverine um, performance. Yeah, I mean, the first couple of Wolverine movies were not. They were kind of, they were mediocre. They were, they were, they were adequate, you know, but this one needs to really pull it out of the park. Yeah. I think, you know, they've kind of like let the reins go at the stage. Um, or this, maybe the studio has, uh, it's an R rated movie. So, you know, they've learned their lesson from Deadpool yeah. where they can potentially, uh, you know, be a bit, bit more risky with, with the movies and push the envelope a bit more. Yeah. Um, I hope that they use that to its full effect. And I, I don't mean, you know, just be more violent, but actually put together a movie that's not constrained by all of the studio notes and things like that, you know? Um, maybe, not, maybe not studio notes, but like studio requirements of what they think an X-Men slash Wolverine movie should be. Should be yeah. They should just let it be what it needs to be. Um, I like the first trailer. I love the tone. Um and the world that they kind of created in that far future, it was, it looked like an art house movie. It looked like something you'd see out of a studio like a 24, you know, which does like, um, kind of more independent style, um, envelope pushing movies. Um, and I really like that, you know, yeah. using the, using the Johnny cash song hurt, um, this, this, the, the gravity and the seriousness with which they portrayed what was going on. The second trailer was much more action heavy, which is good because you want there to be action in the movie. But I hope that it's not just a slash fest, you know, with multiple sets of claws clawing people. <laughs> no, but I think the ingredients are there for for having some some good performances with with Patrick Stewart and also some um, some human drama because we don't know how X if it is. I, I guess the the the, the kid is X twenty three. How she's related to to Logan in this movie, and how she's related to Professor X, and and what happened to the other other X Men? What what yeah. leads to to? I mean, Wolverine's conflicted all the time, but what which conflict justifies his grumpy nature in in this movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's set. I mean, from what we understand, it's set in the future, right? So it's probably about. I think they said like 15 years yeah, or something yeah. after the events of the last X-Men movie. So it's already like a post-apocalyptic kind of future. We don't know what happened in between that um, and how things turned out where they are. Like Wolverine's effectively lost his healing factor, factor yeah. or it's operating at a much more reduced level. So that's why like in the trailer, you actually see scars on his yep, body. Oh, yeah. When his healing factor was working, he wouldn't scar. So that's a, that's a great that's a great visual um, uh, result of, you know, showing what that future looks like, like you it. know, and even Wolverine is not like a invincible kind of guy anymore. You know, he's got, he's got um, weaknesses that he needs to account for as he fights. He can't just rampage out there, just do whatever he wants anymore. Um, and the, to the human drama aspect, I think, you know, that's has to be, Finally, they have to kind of make some sort of human drama aspect to these movies. I think the X-Men, the closest they came, you know, the, with Mag the Magneto storyline and yeah. tying it to like World War II and the Holocaust. And 
um, all, all that sort of stuff. Whereas with Wolverine, I think it'll be good if they can manage to make it a much smaller story because he's effectively now a guy uh, looking after and protecting this little girl, you know? Um, and so you think about stories that have that kind of concept, you know, it's like a father daughter relationship, uh, games like the last of us, like there's a lot of emotional resonance that you can get out of that story. And I hope that they don't just turn, uh, the little girl X 23 into like a mini version of him where they yeah. just have an excuse to go and have fights with this kid, you know? Um, cause in the trailer, like she's, she can hold her own and she's a bit out of control. I think Yeah, know? she learned well from daddy or yeah. the guardian, whoever, whoever she is. Yeah, and I was thinking about this last night. Like, it'll be cool, you know, if it was like a lone wolf and cub type situation where he's not just there fighting beside her and she's not just there fighting beside him, but it is like a father-child type relationship. And he's also trying to protect her. He's trying yep. to, um, you know, not not have her be witness to all of this violence that is happening. You know, even though she's potentially causing some of the violence, <laughs> but he's also he's still like that would be cool if that was part of the tension. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's my hope is that they can really play into those sorts of um, the the human, more relatable angles of of that story. Yeah, it would be great if 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 this gets um, if this makes it into the movie movie in 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 some way because I think especially in Wolverine's case. Uh, we've seen in 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 the comic books that um, he's rather his uh, violent and and distanced behavior. Um, it, it it protected him for a while, but he learned to to open his heart, so to say, to his yeah. to the to the to the other X Men, and. Um, make this uh, human aspect um, an offensive an offensive quality instead of a weakness he yeah. found strength I mean, in human relationships exactly so, <laughs> so yeah, i mean it's it it's a great it's a great um end to the story arc right because we know this is gonna be the last one so yeah. we don't know what's going to end up with him but at the same time he starts off being closed off like his physical strength but emotionally a bit repressed, you know? Yeah. Uh, and his display of power is always through his strength and his effective invincibility. Whereas it'll be cool to see that over time he's kind of opened up and now, you know, he's now his strength, even though he's losing his physical strength and he's losing his physical invincibility, but emotionally and kind of like he's found the, the missing half of who he is as a person, so, yeah. you know, and, and that's what concludes the story. So like end to end from the first X-Men movie to the end of Logan, we get that full arc, which would be pretty cool. That would be neat. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been reading, um, I've been reading a book, uh, about screenwriting yeah. <laughs> called story by, I think it's Robert McKee. Uh, and he's going through effectively how to craft characters, how to craft stories and how to put together a plot and all that sort of thing. And it's very, It's very much in line with thinking about the arc needs to be about how a character changes and develops over time. Because if the character doesn't change, if they just remain the same, um, you end up with Batman v Superman. Yeah. You know, which is just nothing is really happening except the last fight scene. Yeah. And so why why did I spend two hours of my life watching this? Because nothing changed. Like they could have started the movie at the point where um, 
they have the last fight scene in Batman v Superman and it would have been exactly the same because the characters don't change for the last hour and a half anyway. Yeah. So, well, for the first hour and, a, hour and a half anyway. So, yeah, so hopefully Wolverine can really show that that sense of pr- progression and growth with, with the character Logan um, and his relationship with the world. Ah, oh, that got so deep. Probably too deep for the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, are we expecting too much at this point? I don't know. You know, somebody from the, from the crew is listening and is thinking like, oh man, those guys are going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, eh, just a big slash fest. Yes. <laughs> Half of the trailer isn't even in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such is the way they're probably going to like re-edit the whole thing to be something completely different, to make it more like Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. Because that performed so well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, Wonder Woman trailer. Did you manage to watch that one? Yet? Yes, um, looked good. Uh, I'm, you know, it's a DC movie, so I'm, I'm I don't want to get my my hopes up too high. Yeah, perhaps we'll see some change. Um, the character and the 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 whole production got enough um, trust from the from the fan base that yeah. it'll be a good movie. And I really hope we get we get a good Wonder Woman movie. But I, I'm gonna reserve my my judgment um, until I've actually seen it. I don't want to get yeah. too 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 deep onto it. So I mean, I agree with you. We've been burned a few times with DC now, right? So the vision and the universe that they're constructing is de- de- defying all expectations for <laughs> what we know of these characters and what we want them to be. I think Wonder Woman does look uh, promising. The trailer looks great. Um, hopefully they're able to, what we were talking about with, with Logan, show a level of growth and progression with Diana, the character, yeah. um, over time and over the course of this movie. Because we've seen her already in Batman v Superman and she was, to me, the most compelling part of, the, of that movie. Um, it'll be good to see how she starts off as potentially like a naive princess type figure uh, and then becomes the warrior who kind of leaves her home ground to find the greater world. You know, it's kind of like very, very, um, very hero's journey type, type uh, of template. But hopefully through that process, they can actually bring some actual charm and character to, to Diana and not just make her like a static figure like yeah. they did with Superman, you know, because he just stays the same like throughout from, I guess, from Man of Steel to the end of Batman v Superman. He's the same. He's just like, I'm here and I'm moody and broody, you know. Yeah, and uh, and nothing really changes. So hopefully they can tell a good story with Diana. Yeah, I I, I guess you get your well, what I, well from what I've seen in the trailer, you'll guess uh, you'll get the 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 hero's journey uh, pretty early on because I think um, part of the movie will be uh, her witnessing um, uh, the cruelties that go on in the world and. Uh, you know, trying to 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 push back the cruel the cruelty with with more force and and become the rather reclusive figure that she was in 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 Dawn of Justice. Yeah, Op- uh, more operating in the shadows or, or learning to that she has to operate with with finesse to bring uh, to bring her adversaries down rather than just uh, go out and punch them in the face. Yeah, which in itself is a great commentary, right? Because you're it's it's a different approach to what we're seeing Same, like yeah. batman and superman so in the world that they've constructed 
Batman and Superman, you really use the theatrics yeah. <laughs> to, you know, they're, they're bold, um, potentially violent uh, figures of expressing power through violence and, yeah. and, um, and physical type prowess. Yeah. Whereas they've only been doing it for the last maybe 10, 20 years, whereas she's been there for the last, you know, 90 years, years yeah. operating in the shadows and providing a much more subtler type of power and influence rather than their head on approach. So that's, I mean, that's interesting already. So it's cool. It'll be cool to see how they sort of play that out and how they construct that in the Wonder Woman movie and set it up. If that's even in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, we can hope. Uh, what I've seen of it also to me, like it's so much brighter and more colorful than Batman v Superman and Man of Steel. Like the color palette just looks so, so cool. Uh, there's that scene where um, she's on her, she's on the island in Themyscira looking out at the, at the, at the ocean. And yeah. it's just this beautiful blue, blue water with the, with the island sticking out. Like I want that level of, uh, brilliance and like color saturation through the whole movie. because I'm tired of the DC movies looking so dark and depressing. Yeah, I guess you, and, and in the, in the world war one scenes, uh, they clearly, uh, oversaturated her, The, the reds and, and blues of her costume because everything is set in in, in rather earthy tones uh, that yeah. remind one of, of of World War One documentaries or classic photos, and then she pops up from the uh, on the on the front lines as this uh, bright and colorful figure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been playing Battlefield One, so oh, yeah. <laughs> in the trenches, it tends to be like it's dark, it's muddy, it's, it's gray. Um, it's very depressing. So yeah, so to contrast that with her brilliant um, colors um, in her uniform or her armor, right, would be really cool. cool yeah. It would be like a ray of light. Uh, it would be like a ray of light punching through the clouds. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool. And so okay. there's some interesting visuals like that. Like even the first time she sees a bullet, which is in the trailer, Yeah. And they kind of like do the, the time slows down, slows down yeah. and she kind of like looks at the bullet and watches it come through, like realizing and recognizing for the first time what it is yeah. like that. I, you know, there's some cool stuff in this. Um, so hopefully, you know, the way Diana learns and, um, interprets our world comes through in the movie as well, you know, and her judgments then on like how crazy this world is. Exactly, yeah. To to reflect a bit on on how crazy the concept of war really is. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because I'm. I mean, I'm not really. I'm, I don't think I've ever read a Wonder Woman comic or even read uh, a Justice League comic that's featured heavily on Wonder Woman. So most of my knowledge of her comes from mainly the animated series. Yeah, it's um, the same here. I've only read the uh, Grant Morrison did a an Earth One uh, graphic novel. That came. Oh, I've said graphic novel. Uh, a longer comic, long form comic book, right. larger volume uh, that came out last <laughs> year. That was really good. Right. Okay. So we're we're both going to be newbies. So we're going to be looking at this through kind of almost fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. <laughs> so only filtered through uh, what I've seen on Young Justice and the Justice League animated yeah. series. Cool. Uh, all right. So Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So what do you think of that? Um. Yeah, it, you know, it looks 
good. It looks like a um, it'll gonna be a, a solid continuation of the of the first movie, uh, with another adorable uh, Groot uh, inca- uh, incarnation. Yeah, in in, in his <laughs> in his uh, baby form this time. Yeah, um, let's um, let's see where this where this movie is headed. I I believe we'll get uh, more of the same on a on a grander scale. Yeah. I think so. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy, even the first movie, they were kind of like the underdogs of yeah. the Marvel series, right? Um, this looks to be a continuation of that, like you said. Just a ragtag bunch. Um, to me, I'm like, I want to see where it goes, but yeah. I, I'm not fully sold on it yet because, I mean, I had problems with the first movie. Um, yeah. F- just from some some basic physics i think that didn't quite work so um this looks good baby groot and rocket is going are the key things for me like that i know that's going to be probably it's my favorite part of the trailer and might be my favorite part of the movie if they don't overuse it because there's a tendency that they yeah, just the, have too much too much baby groot and it just is like all right enough of this now you know yeah but then they're also bringing in new characters uh mantis is in this movie Oh, we didn't see Mantis in the trailer, did we? Oh, she's the um, she's the mind reader. Oh, at the end yes, of the, trailer. the mind reader. Yes, you're right. Uh, see, even that scene, it was it felt a little bit forced to me. Really? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just like it feels like a kind of crappy joke. <laughs> yeah, it's it absolutely. Is, I I agree with you on that, but um, you know, it's maybe the, I. No, it's that crappy chokeness that made the the first movie uh, relatable for a wider audience. Yeah. Maybe it was the B movie. It's got it does. I mean, that's what I mean by they're kind of like the underdogs of the Marvel universe. You know, yeah. it's kind of it's got a B movie feel about it. Um, eh, maybe I'm j- I'm generally not a massive B movie fan. Maybe that's yeah, why that's... I'm like feeling like eh. Uh, but it it does have a bit of a campy B movie quality to it, and I, I think. Uh, Maybe that's what I need to get over to enjoy Guardians properly. Yeah, I think that 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 was the the aspect that made Guardians um, the the hit that it is. Yeah, or the the, the franchise and, that it is. And could be with the general public as well that people are just maybe over the seriousness um, of series like. Again, we're going to go to Batman v Superman, but that's like to the other extreme. That's like takes yeah. itself so seriously, you know, um, and almost without justification yeah <laughs> whereas guardians i mean the whole point you know they had a dance off with the bad guy so it, you can tell what kind of movie it is and i think you have to be like in that kind of not so much mindset but if you, you know it, it's such a breath of fresh air compared to the world that we live in right now as well that maybe people you know really do respond and want to see that more yeah because we're, we've got enough seriousness in the world as it is that um this is a this is pure escapism yeah, yeah so it, it, all right so maybe i've i i've found a i found a way to relate to guardians just through this conversation because <laughs> <laughs> i really i i don't know i kind of like the more serious stuff um i'm the kind of person that can kind of appreciate where they were going with batman v superman even though it was like from a story point of view stupid um and from a character point of view stupid but i liked the darkness and the grittiness of that world. It absolutely, it, it needed uh, 
the movie needed the darkness because it wasn't called Batman and Superman Best Bodies. But <laughs> yeah. Even if you but, yeah, pit them exactly. against each other, you can do it with, with style and finesse. Yeah, which has been done before in the comics. So that was yeah. also why it was even more dis more disappointing. They could have just um, picked any Silver Age comic and have them, uh, you know, do a bike race or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's enough material out there. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so that's the thing. I think Marvel is really playing playing an interesting game there where they've got kind of, even the Avengers, I mean, it tends to be serious, but they have a sense of, um, they have a sense of levity and lightness yeah. to it. And with Guardians, they went even more light. So it'll be interesting. I, like, is the Netflix series, is Marvel at its dark and gritty, serious self? Like, that's that's the serious version of the Marvel universe, you know? It's actually not in the movies. Because I don't think any of the movies have been super serious that way, right? No, I don't think so, because... I think Iron Man, some of the oh. early, like, Iron Man 3... Yeah, yeah. But they they, they turned... They they turned around on the on the uh, post traumatic stress disorder stuff um, pretty pretty quickly. I I think yeah, it's still an underlying tone, but it's justifiable. It's not Tony's nature, you know. Yeah, if time be stuck in that kind of rut. Yeah, yeah, he he just gets um, you know, he just uh, uh, pulls more jokes if if the situation gets too dire. Because that's his way of, of coping with with stress. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that that, that was a, that was. Mm. It doesn't make weird. it a, a better movie, but. <laughs> yeah, and and I think I mean, look, that's kind of the 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 branding constraint that the Marvel yeah. movies have. You know, is they can't they almost can't afford to have it too serious because they are yeah. trying to get that four quadrant. You know, try to appeal to everyone. One, yeah. So if they do go super dark just like the DC movies, it's going to piss a lot of people off oh, and it's going to turn a lot of people off. And as you so. said, uh, people go to the cinema to um, to get entertained. Um, I mean, yeah. mainly you can, of course, there are good serious movies out there as well. But um, yeah. I, 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 superheroes, uh, you know, it's, uh, or in, in my opinion, superheroes have the... Um, It's 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 their duty to cheer us up, so to say. That that doesn't mean yeah. that they you can't explore uh, more more uh, darker themes with them, but uh, always always uh, treat treat them respectfully. Don't don't over darken them. Over uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Superheroes are supposed to give us hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think the whole, that's, we keep on coming back to DC. We don't have to over litigate <laughs> yeah. this, but that's why like Superman in the DC movies don't give us hope. Yeah. He's not a hopeful figure. He's as lost. And so that's almost like, I think people don't want that because if Superman's lost, where do, where do the rest of us yeah. stand? You know, how can we have any hope if Superman himself as Superman doesn't have hope? Oh, yeah. Because he's supposed to be the eternal light. You know, he's supposed to be the one that's like. He's the figurehead of hope. You know, that's what he stands Absolutely. for. That's what the freaking symbol on his chest is supposed to stand for. And he's the ultimate um, father figure, you know? Yeah. You know, Christ-like, God-like figure kind yeah. of thing. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, super, superhero movies, especially uh, probably now more and more, 
uh, supposed to give us a sense of certainty in an uncertain world, give us hope in a place, in a time when it feels like a lot of things are under threat, Yeah, you know? Um, and so I think um, that's probably where Marvel's pitching itself. You know, I don't know, maybe uh, consciously or unconsciously, but I think the the market, so people are responding to movies that are more hopeful and are more kind of positive uh, and veering away from movies that are a little bit too serious. And yeah. movies, that's, movies that want to explore the gray zones um, and the the gritty dark realities or the gr- the grittiness of dark reality aren't doing so well. So maybe that's just where, where we are right now. So it'll be interesting to see um, as we go forward, whether we can get more and more of those movies that can give us that escapism so we can have a sense of certainty walking out rather than just more confusion. But why did Batman want to kill Superman? I don't get it. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> all right, because he had to make sure. He has to be absolutely certain that he's not a threat. <laughs> oh, oh, how did how did he say that? There was a great line of, I mean, Affleck delivered it perfectly, but it made no sense. Yeah, because if there's only a one percent chance, yeah, then we yeah. have to take that as absolute certainty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh God, that's what that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Not talking about the current administration. Um. <laughs> All right, are we going to talk about Power Rangers? What's your what's your one phrase review for the Power Rangers trailer? Ridiculous. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I think it's. It looks as. It looks as. Uh, crazy and campy as I was expecting it to yeah. be. So I mean, uh, just to. Were just, you a Power Rangers fan? I mean, just for some. Background. Of course, I was a Power Rangers fan back in the nineties. But now, uh, you know, I watched the the. Orig- the, the shows that the Power Rangers series are based on, which are the, the Japanese Super Sentai franchise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's those are 20-minute toy commercials, but sometimes they pack in great stories or, and, 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 right. and character developments into there. You know, I've seen the Power Rangers trailer uh, when I watched Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, it was in the cinemas and, you know, people laughed. And I, I don't know... Uh, Every, everybody's trying to to hype up the movies and I've, I've, I've looked at the toys and uh, the, the, the costume reveals um, that were in the trailer it just doesn't look good and the fact that they got Brian Cranston as, as Sordon just means that they have that they had a, a, a big paycheck for him yeah because, I mean what a fall from grace I think for Brian Cranston no it's uh, you know if you've Perhaps the movie will be uh, something that surprises us and it's uh, a good uh, one and a half hours of, of entertainment. Could happen. Yeah. But from what I've seen in the trailers and how, how the monsters are designed and how the costumes are designed, it, it I don't know. It feels like a, an, a cheap meal packed in an expensive package. Yeah, <laughs> but like a, a McDonald's like burger, it looks looks great. But when you actually eat it, uh, it's it's, it's junk like food. it's like when you, when you open the box and there's a picture of the burger on the box, yeah. right? And it's a beautiful looking burger on the box, but then you open the box and the burger inside is really like sad looking. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and, like... and the spit from the guy who prepared it runs out <laughs> at the side of, of the pond or something. Like that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it looks serviceable. 
the aesthetic is not something that appeals to me. If it looked like Pacific Rim, if it looked like that was uh, the world that they'd created with the color tones and um, the contrast and saturation, like if it and the the quality of what the mech um, machines look like, yeah, I would potentially be interested in it. Um, but it just looks like, like you said, like a really cheap, <laughs> like a cheap meal, you know, like they didn't even do any, um, they didn't spend a lot of money on the effects and it, and they just kind of, uh, yeah, that'll do. So, I mean, that, that could work. It, it, that could play into the, the Power Rangers wheelhouse, you know, make it campy. Yeah. Uh, but as you said that the mech designs, because I just, I ju it just came into my mind. It looks like Transformers. Uh, confusing too much designs. Like Transformers. Yeah. yeah. Like there's nothing that really stands it out. I mean, the thing is they, they're all, they all kind of like, um, combine, right. Yeah. As a part of the, the Power Rangers, but even that looked a bit cheap. Yeah. You know, perhaps the human drama can, can straighten things out because it feels like the groups comprised of, of outcasts and how they, yeah. they fit. Perhaps it's a, it, it could be a nice coming of age movie, you know? I mean, I would think that, but the script comes, I mean, from what I've seen in the trailer, the script looks a bit, uh, feels a bit silly as well. <laughs> so I think, I think it's going to be about like, as an, like your average B grade action toy franchise, yeah. you know? So it, it's sad. I'm I, not, not expecting much. I, I, I hope that it, um, that it'll do something, something new, perhaps, you know, really make, make use of the franchise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's Power Rangers. All right, so let's go on to the, to the other movie news then. So uh, we already talked about The Last Jedi, so we don't have to go to that one again. But um, we got some, some more DC news that they're rewriting The Flash. Yeah. Like, completely. <laughs> From scratch. So. Perhaps they're also growing a director in a, in a lab somewhere. In a pod somewhere. <laughs> a, a director who can follow all of the Warner Brothers. <laughs> So, I mean, last time we talked about, we, we talked about that quote from, uh, I can't remember who it was now, but they said working for, for Warner Brothers was like trying to fuck a porcupine. Yeah, the, 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 it was, the, the exec, the, yeah. <laughs> it was the former Warner Brothers executive because it was one prick against a hundred. <laughs> uh, great quote. I read that when yeah. I was like in high school and it stuck with me. But, you know, I think, you know, the DC movies are just plagued by that same problem. Uh, going back to what we were saying about Wonder Woman as well. Hopefully Wonder Woman was conceived and left alone and can be produced as just this one, um, this one thing without so many like, uh, fingers in the honey pot. in the pie kind of thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, so we yeah. can, because that's what happened with Suicide Squad, you know, it's like, it was kind of like hacked to pieces and then reassembled to be this Frankenstein monster of a movie. Um, Batman, And Superman kind of went through all these iterations around what, what they should be and all these different voices involved. And it sounds like Flash is going through a similar thing. So the whole, the whole thing is just um, a mess. And it could be that there's just too many people involved and nobody can get a clear direction yeah. of what they want to do. And then I, uh, the Flash is a, a very hard character to, to put into a story on, onto his own. Because, you know, potentially... The Flash could beat them all. He's, yeah. You have to give him a challenge. You have to define the power set. Yeah. And and I think a part of the challenge too for them is 
the TV show is already so popular yeah. and has already done a pretty good job at um, drawing the character in the public consciousness, right? Yeah. So how do they how do they reframe Barry Allen and the story of Barry Allen in this universe? Um, and and make it unique and compelling enough um, to set it apart from what what's happening in the TV show. Yeah, and not confuse people because that's the other thing. They're like, I don't need to go to a Flash movie. It's on every week on the CW. Yeah, you I know? don't need the origin again. And then yeah, you know, it makes me it makes me wonder why they bother with solo movies when we could they could just pump out one Justice League movie after another. Uh, yeah, well. So, uh, Which which could work also, just screw the the make also make ensemble movies only like Justice League and Suicide Squad, uh, yeah, could could work also. We know the origin stories. I think I mean, and that's what I hope with with Spider Man as well that we don't have to re go through watching Uncle Ben die one more yeah. time, you know. Um, yeah, but for most of the things, I think they can. Um, I don't know. DC, if it, DC feels like they're rushing. They're, yep. It feels like they're running out of time, which is crazy because they're not, you know, nope. there's no, there's no finish line to this yeah, whole enterprise, no you know, yeah. there's no clock. Exactly. So I don't see why they can't just slow down, take their time to build up the justice league franchise rather than just rush headlong into it. Like introducing all these characters in Batman v Superman via, via online video yeah. you know it was just stupid like it was not needed absolutely um, no. if they introduce them as joining the fight you know wonder woman has already assembled her team and brings it uh to the party at the end so to say and she brings yeah. in the flash and cyborg and then aquaman and it's not like it's not like um we haven't had movies in the past where you've had an ensemble cast come together yeah. for the first time. Yeah. You know, you think of movies like, um, you know, it's old movies like The Magnificent Seven, Seven and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, you can, you can tell a story where you introduce these characters. You don't have to go through every single detail of their, of their origins, um, but you can still put together a compelling script and show character growth of time, right? Because yeah. that's what makes a good story. Um, Whereas I think the way DC is doing it is they're just kind of like, um, they want to do everything at once and like at the same time, because it feels like they're in a rush to get to a destination. But at the same time, they're kind of like at the destination, which is the Justice League movie, but they haven't really started the race at the same time. So like, it's weird. They're in a quantum superposition where they're at every, at every <laughs> stage of telling the story at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. It's just... And that's why everyone's confused and like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, but then uh, you know, Warner Brothers has uh, with with the with 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 Harry Potter ending, they don't or they don't have a big franchise that I'm aware of. So all they they have going for them as as uh, a basic income generator are yeah. other DC movies, or they think other DC movies. Yeah, and that I mean, like the. The sad part about it is Suicide Squad made a lot of money, and so I don't know if they've ever got, if they've learned the, that lesson yet. No. No. <laughs> um, and being Warner Brothers again, there's just too many people involved, so there's there's no one bold vision that that they're um, that they're trying to get to, or 
one bold voice saying, hey, guys, this is pretty shit. Let's just get our act together. Yeah. You know, is what it feels like. Um, and then you were also saying that David Ayer wishes he had a time machine. <laughs> so that's that to go back and redo Suicide Squad. Is an amazing, that's an amazing uh, thing to say as a, as a director. I, I, I don't even know what his, what his, his, his thought process was because, you know, you can say, okay, I regret uh, certain things. I've I've done with the movie, or or I've given, or that I I have not been uh, I've not expressed a strong opposition against certain uh, decisions that were made above above his head. Yeah, you know, just stand 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 um, stand up for your failure, so to say. It's there, yeah. there's no shame if he said he he did it for a paycheck, but at least he he did what he could that. That's not a problem. And if he admits that he wishes he would have done um, things better, that's great as well. But, you know, saying, oh, I wish I had a time machine so I could go back and uh, redo stuff. <laughs> What the fuck, man? That's just such a, I, I, I don't know, clickbait yeah. Um, journalism. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much it. I mean, we all wish David Ayer had a, had a time machine, but apparently yeah. it's not going to happen. So, um, is, I mean, does that mean that there's going to be some sort of director's cut of Suicide Squad? Have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't heard anything about, about that. Mm, just... I haven't either. So I'm just wondering, because they put out that extended version of Batman v Superman, right? So I wonder yeah. um, if there's going to be like the theatrical release of Suicide Squad, which was the one that was recut by the editing by the trailer editing company and whether there's going to be a director's cut, which will be David A's vision for what he wanted it to be. But in, 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 in defense of David Ayer, he also addressed that he said the Joker would have been, should have been the main villain in the movie instead of a, a shape changing belly dancer. <laughs> I think he put it in, in that way. And that at least he, he had, you know, he has an idea where, where he's gone. I'm, it's just, Yeah, the Joker was just superfluous to the yeah. plot. Like, yeah, I mean, plot very loosely <laughs> yeah. used in the sense, yeah. but the, yeah, the Joker was wasted. I mean, yeah. as the debut of the Joker, it was completely wasted. Wasted, yeah. And it's just, I've been, I'm so sorry, I've been too hard with my with my statement about uh, him saying that, but he's not, he's not David Ayer is not ta uh, talentless. You know, he made. Mm -hmm. He produced a watchable, um, a watchable result, uh, and yeah. even if he just did it for the paycheck, that's his job. You know, you do things for a paycheck, and I do things for a paycheck. It's okay to do things for a paycheck, and if they're bad, if we did bad, no, things we for should a hold paycheck, them. We should hold them to a greater standard. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Otherwise, we end up like X3. You know, <laughs> that was a paycheck. Right, yeah. right now, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, again, if, 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 if we as, um, fans of this material can't demand quality and respect from it, <laughs> then what, well, you know, because it reflects badly on us. 
Because like the rest of the, our friends and family watch it and they're like, what the hell is this crap that you like? And we're like, no, that is not the crap we like. That's a bad interpretation of the crap that we like. We like our crap's crap. much better uh, quality. I mean, yeah. It's a bad interpretation. <laughs> we like quality crap, you know? <laughs> and so I think, you know, that that's kind of what frustrates it for me. And that's why when the, the, this whole thing, right, I've been reading comics for a long time. And when these movies started coming out, you want them to do good because it's a reflection on your, well, to me personally, it's, it's a reflection on my interests as a hobby and like how people perceive that and how serious, you know, I, I want, I would, I, I want people to see what I see in them. And if they're just being, um, if there's just pulp and trash being put out there, then that's not what I see out of the material, you know, like all the stuff we talked about before, like Superman being seen as a form of hope and, um, comics and superhero stories telling us stories that give us a sense of certainty around about right and wrong in the world. Um, that's what I see in it. And so that's, you know, which is probably why I'm coming from that place of wanting to see those things come out in the movies as well. And in stories like suicide squad that just hack, hack those things to pieces. Um, it doesn't do anyone any good, you know? Yeah. 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 You're absolutely, you're absolutely right on that, on that one. Yeah. And it's definitely a, a missed opportunity on on uh, showing us another kind of superhero movie, you know, to say, okay, uh, those villains have, have stories too. And as much thought as went into the heroes uh, went into their foils. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. Suicide Squad's a great opportunity to talk about what is a villain. Yeah. What, what makes a villain, um, the nature of good and evil, um, like you said, the humanity of the bad guy, yeah. you know? That would have been, that's, Marvel's not doing that, and Fox is not doing that with the X-Men series. DC could have owned that corner of the market and defined what it is. Instead, they tried to copy Deadpool success, and they tried to, I don't you know who else, what, the, what else they were trying to do, but they ended up with this massive movie that makes no sense. Yeah. The characters are not even drawn out. None of the characters, I mean, you know, aside from Deadshot, none of the characters even get like any sort of humanity in them. Like it's, they're all just random. Yeah, not really. Random caricatures of what characters should be. And you know, Batman takes Deadshot down in an alley in front of his daughter. Which yeah. Every, every child which parents got shot in a dark corner somewhere certainly have in mind if they, if they. Batman himself had his parents shot in a dark corner. Yeah. And he puts Deadshot and Deadshot's daughter in the same situation he was in that turned him into the Batman. Like that's like his, his number one trauma, you know, uh, the fact that he would visit that upon someone else. It just doesn't make, it just shows you that like, they just don't understand the characters. And I think that's a part of it. I think, um, where Marvel potentially has an upper hand is that Kevin Feige, uh, and the team that they have are actually fans of the material and fans of the characters. Whereas DC maybe just sees it as a, Uh, merchandising opportunity yeah uh, and they've just let they've just let Zack Snyder uh, put his crazy crazy um, fantasies using these characters yeah. you know so I don't know all right we should stop going off against DC <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get the uh, get branded as DC haters like I really like I want them to do well so badly. That's, one, that's like the archetypal characters. Like the DC characters are much more archetypal and much, yeah. yeah, much, 
the Marvel characters are like effectively the B list, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they're doing so well with those B list characters just shows what a difference it makes when you know what your characters are about and what kind of stories you should be telling. Yeah. So. I I want to see movies to be good. Yeah. I, I and I I I wish them all the best, and I hope they they um they get a chance yeah. to turn things around. These are not the character. These are not the movies we need. These are definitely not the movies we deserve. So, yeah. <laughs> Very well said. Right. Very well said. <laughs> it's still like the Nolan Batman movies. It's still like, uh, anyway. All right. Um, should we move on to TV then? Let's We've got move the, on. Small screen. We'll try to wrap this up <laughs> after the small scene section. So Legion. Legion's about to start. So what's, what's Legion? You want to explain that one to us? Uh, it's about... Um is he i don't know if he's the son of charles xavier in these in the series as well it's about a mutant which name escaped me uh who thinks he's mentally ill but in fact absorbs the the powers of other mutants played in this series by downton abbey's dave stevens <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a trailer came out at comic-con and some some trailers came out uh in the in the past months And I'm not sure what to expect of the show, but they are really um, marketing the mental illness aspect of, yeah. of it all. That uh, he's not quite sure if he's insane or if it's a, a byproduct of his his mutant power. And yeah, because you know, the whole thing is set. The whole thing is set in an asylum, right? Like it's in a um, it's in a mental hospital yeah, or something. Yeah. Right. It looks great. I mean. Um, Yeah, in the comics, uh, he is the son of Charles Xavier. Yes, yeah. um, kind of this. He's got he's one of the most powerful mutants in. I think he is the most powerful. He's the one. number one. Yeah, but he's like he's obviously not mentally stable. So um, he's got multiple personality uh, quirks, as well as being able to do crazy, uh, you know, super powerful things, uh, but not be in full control of any of it. Yeah. Um, so I think the show is going to be looks interesting. I don't know how they're going to play it out and how they're going to explain the character and sort of whether they're going to connect it to the movies and you know the, the Charles Xavier's that we know. But I'm so stupid. The character's also called Legion. Yeah, the I, I, name's I, Le I, like, I completely forgot. I, I thought he was his name is Legion. <laughs> Legion. Yeah, I thought he was. Um, and now now the the guy the other guy escaped me. The dude who has no jaw. Was just has a, a big flashlight instead of a jaw chamber. chamber. <laughs> I confused yeah. him with chamber. Oh, yeah. right. Did you, yeah. Chamber. Um, so that's from generation X. That's yeah. from the generation yeah. X comics, right? Yeah. Those are cool. I'd love to see a generation X TV show as well. Uh, chamber um, would be a, a great visual thing. Um, yeah. So generation X, uh, was in the nineties or yeah. late nineties, late nineties. Yeah. Um, uh, and it really, you know, they were the kids of that generation. It was kind of like the post grunge, uh, post Nirvana kind of generation. I mean, literally generation X kids, I guess you can say. Um, whereas now I want to see an updated version of them as millennials. I think generation millennial X would be so cool, which is going to bring me into Riverdale. Um, but yeah, so Legion starts when, when does it start? Uh, in February, February, um, My phone just died, so... Uh, <laughs> you can't look it up? Okay, so, it's, so we're expecting it to start in February. Um, definitely one to, to look out for. Um, yeah. I'm, 
I'm going to be tuning into that one for sure. Um, again, I'm expect you know, I've got, I don't know what to expect, but I'm expecting it to be at least interesting. Um, but Riverdale just came out. So Riverdale is based on the Archie comics characters of like Archie and Betty and Veronica yeah. Jughead. Um, have you seen the trailer? No, I, I, I haven't seen any trailer. I, I kept myself, uh, fresh for, for, for watching it. And it's on, it's even on, on, on Netflix. So yeah. I'll, so it's like, on Netflix outside of the U S um, in the U S it's actually on TV here. So You can watch it on demand. Uh, it's playing on the CW, which is the same channel, uh, the same network that does like the Flash and Arrow um, and those types of shows. So they're really carving a niche for themselves with these with these comic uh, type. Have fare. you seen the, the first episode? Yes. So I watched the first episode of Riverdale uh, on demand um, and I was intrigued. I was intrigued. It's very much... Um, It's very much, a, uh, it's, I mean, I read Archie comics when I was a kid. I can't for the life of me remember any specific storylines yeah. of the Archie comics. I just remember that, you know, there was Archie and Jughead was his friend and Betty and Veronica were friends and there was probably some sort of teenage drama and angst in that whole thing. But um, I don't really know much more than that. Watching the show, the, the, I really liked how they put the, sh the first episode together. Um, the story kind of unfolded in pieces. It's kind of like an onion. And I think that's kind of the premise of the show. There's a central mystery of a murder. Okay. Uh, or, you know, somebody dies. Okay. Uh, and then the, the, they kind of introduce all the characters and this, this murder has, or this, this person has died and they, you don't know generally how it all fits together yet. But there are all, all these characters like Archie and Betty and Veronica and Jughead. And they're all kind of like circling each other in this small town and as a part of the high school. Um, but we don't know how it all fits together just yet. And it's just it's it's that's what I meant by it. it's like it's, it's intriguing for how they've started to construct it, how they've started to construct this world. Um, I'm going to give it, I think, at least another three or four episodes before you can draw judgment on um, whether it's good or not. It sounds um, really interesting. Um, um, but it's murder. definitely, yeah, it's almost, it feels like it's got a Twin Peaks kind of vibe to it. Okay. Like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of secrets that all these characters have. Um, and it, it comes across as a little bit more deep and intriguing than I was expecting the show to be. Okay. The production quality and the cinematography is awesome. Like, I really like how it looks. Um so yeah, definitely check it out. Like I okay. think I think it's one to watch. Yeah, it's on uh, my list, and I've just seen some some photos from the from the first episode, and it, it looks really dark. And and from what you well, say, uh, it seems to have an thing, edge to it. It's dark, in a way, but it's also like it pays tribute to its, um, to its, uh, to its Archie roots, because the characters have this facade or this, you know, they tend to look like they're those very, um, uh, homely small town kind of characters. And every now and again, they'll throw in a, that's swell, you know? And it's like, and it's almost like a, it, it's almost like it's self-referential. It's making fun of itself. Uh, there's, there's references in there 
to Archie having finally hit puberty, you know, like, okay, it's kind of like showing that the material has grown up and this is a more, a more kind of grown up version of what the comics were. But then again, I've not read the, you know, I can't remember the comics, so I don't know whether, whether Archie had the same sort of problems in the comics as he's had in this show, but in the show, it's a bit more grown up than I was expecting it to be. Um, Cause I was, you know, I don't, I don't even know what I was expecting, but I was expecting it to be like, you know, let's go to the, to the milk bar and have milkshakes and, you know, go to the high school dance and that sort of thing. Like very kind of like, um, I don't know, like 1960s type yeah. subject matter. Yeah. But this is, it's got that in there, but there's a layer of secrets and a layer of mystery that also makes things a lot more interesting. Okay. I don't know. Like it's, it's, I think it's very finely constructed so far. So, so what I've seen so far and the way they put it together, um, it's intriguing. <laughs> you, you made me really interested in watching that show. Yeah. I mean, it'll be cool after you watch it. We should, we should de like maybe after two or three episodes, which yeah, is probably we where we'll get to revisit we do it, yeah. the next episode, do another review and just see what we think. Like it could, it could. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to hear your opinion. Yeah. It's an aesthetic that I really like. Like I, I quite like, like that's the style of aesthetic that I like. Uh, so we'll see whether, because I know your, your tastes are slightly different to mine, right? So we'll see if, uh, how you feel about it. Yeah. But you know what, what you've told me blew my mind because I thought, <laughs> oh no, now I've like raised expectations <laughs> for this thing. <laughs> yeah. But like it's, I, it's it's not going to be like a uh, it's not going to be like a Truman Capote style. Like, uh, you know? <laughs> I, I'm I'm aware of that, but I I thought you know with it being on the on the CW uh, and me not really being a big fan of the CW DC shows. I mean they're uh, they're good and 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 solid, but yeah, uh, one episode of each show each season is enough to satisfy my cravings. For, yeah. for Arrow and, and The Flash. Yeah, just yeah. to sort of get to know. Yeah. Well, we'll see how this one goes. I goes. mean, again, it's only one episode. Yeah. And uh, the story and the mystery is unfolding quite... Um, and I, I'm not going to say slowly, because I think the pace is good. Because it allows you to really digest what's going on. Um, and I watched it. I mean, I didn't watch it in one sitting. I think yep. I watched half of it. Then I came back and watched the second half okay. and I felt that it was compelling. So okay. yeah, see what you think. Okay. For sure. Awesome. So, uh, aside from that, I mean, any other TV, so we mentioned Star Wars rebels a little bit, um, Voltron and there's a new justice league action show yeah. coming up. Uh, so what's that about? Uh, justice league action is, um, It's like 15, 15 minutes, 15 minute long episodes um, of the adventures of the Justice League. And, you know, they have the old crew back. Paul Dini uh, has written a, a few episodes. Uh, Alan Burnett is uh, is producing the thing. And I think Butch Lukic came back as writer and, and director. And it's basically, it's the modern in incarnations of the DC characters, of the wide roster of DC characters that we've already seen uh, in the Justice League TV show. With yeah. cheaper animations and the first act of the episode taken out. So it's basically, they just, they start with the action 
and and the resolve and bring in a bit of of character development and i've seen like uh, 15 episodes so far and they're they're great it's a it's a really great show i mean you you definitely see that the budget uh, isn't as big as it was on the on on justice league unlimited at justice league yeah but it feels like uh, a contemporary continuation of of that show it became a bit more 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 simple but that doesn't mean that uh it's it's dumbed down it's just right. for, for for a younger audience it, it yeah okay so it's still enjoyable i yeah, mean yeah. if you've got 15 minutes just to sort of there's i'm expecting there's no overarching story right it's just adventures no it's just so it's just, just adventures but they bring in even more obscure characters like uh space cabby is in the in the fourth episode uh with mr mind as the as the villain which is amazing right. uh and you got uh you got two uh consecutive episodes uh featuring etrigan Oh right, and okay. Brother Demon and stuff. So they are really uh, and 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 Firestorm is featured prominently uh, in the show. Oh which cool! It's amazing. It's great. This it handled really really well. Yeah, uh, Firestorm's a really cool character. Yeah. Is it the same? Um, is it uh, how many how many people in the Firestorm Matrix in this? <laughs> uh, it's stuff? two. Uh, Just two. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because I know they're also working on a Justice League Dark. So. They're working on a version of uh, like a Justice League Dark movie, which will have Etrigan and um, like the more darker characters. Wasn't that the animated movie that came out last last week or or a week ago? Or um, is, there, is, the, is the live action version still a thing? I think I think they're all uh, yeah. I think there's still a live action movie oh. in the works. Um, again, it's a probably a development hell at this stage, depending on where it is with its. Um, with its development cycle. But um, I think the Justice League Dark animated movie was part of um, setting up just oh, to okay. see, you know, start start sowing the seeds and putting these types of characters and testing them out and seeing how, how to work with them. My God, if they do a live action Etrigan, I, I can't talk bad about that movie if I get the live action Etrigan. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine the level of groundwork they need to lay before they get to that stage though? So Etrigan is a he's a he's a demon from like uh the medieval period, right? Yeah, he's um, he's uh, uh Jason Blood uh, he's a demon bonded to a guy called Jason Blood and he gets bonded by him uh by Merlin. Right, so, so Merlin the yeah, Merlin from the King Arthur legend creates Etrigan by bonding this demon to Jason Blood. Blood. And w- when Etrigan talks he always talks in like rhyming couplet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can you imagine putting a character like that in the cinema right now? Like people would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't care. It, it'll be my, it'll be like my second birthday. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think they, I mean, I want to see them do it, but again, no, can't do it. they can choose to do it as a fully campy, um, just like a joke. Or they can try to do it with some sense of seriousness. I'm obviously going to go for the seriousness uh, angle because that's what I like. But, um, I mean, can you do a Deadpool version of Etrigan? I mean, you very well could. I don't know. He's not. um, (laughs) It's going to come across as those really bad, um, um, like, 
Ghost Rider. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to feel like one of those properly. really bad. Yeah. Or, or the so, whole thing. And DC's, I mean, they've already, even with Suicide Squad, put in, um, put in magic in the universe. Like they've yeah. explained demons yeah, and they've yeah, talked about yeah. that stuff already. So again, it's like too much so soon. Like Marvel's building up to magic over 18 years. <laughs> DC puts it in the same year. You know, when they're, when they're trying to launch everything at the same time. Again, the quantum, the quantum superposition of all their properties. Yeah, and Etrigan wouldn't be the biggest problem in a Justice League Dark movie, but you have Satana, you have Swamp Thing, you have John Constantine, oh. uh, uh, Phantom yeah. Stranger, you have so many. Uh, yeah, uh, like I, you know, it's funny in a, in a movie, Man. like you said, when Etrigan is not the, uh, not the, not the most crazy character, <laughs> you know? I mean, Swamp Thing. You could Swamp Thing in... shouldn't even be in it. I think Swamp no, Thing, I don't know. No. And he could bring in the Spectre. I think I yeah. mentioned Deadman already. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I heard in the Justice League Dark animated movie, Batman's only in there as kind of like a token because you have to have Batman, right? Yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah. He just kind of shows up. I haven't watched it yet, but um, I've read some reviews on it, so I will check that out soon. Cool. All right, cool. So that almost wraps up our TV um, session as well. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we fully wrap up? Um. No, nope. We've we've worked Have through it. our list. Cool. So I guess this is the last thing in closing. Uh, just in memory of John Hurt, who passed away. I yeah. think um, just uh, yes, twenty four hours ago or forty eight hours ago or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's quite sad, you know. Yeah, because he gave me my first big uh, jump scare in, in in Alien with Alien. Yeah, playing Kane. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was. Um, that was, I think, for me, the iconic performances. I mean, um, was Alien for sure. That that scene, <laughs> yeah. Um, and also just the voice of John Hurt as the dragon in the Merlin TV show. Um, you know, it's John Hurt, yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I think uh, it still sticks out as like you know, if you're gonna cast, if you're gonna do a voice a, a voice cast for a for a voice um, for a character that is both kind of like um wise and powerful but also vulnerable at the same time i think it was just great voice casting yeah. there and so. he played john merrick in in the elephant moon movie yes uh, the one that, is it from francis ford coppola um i, I can't remember actually I'm, yeah i'm not sure and that that was that was something that um you know he really uh, struck a chord in in my childhood because and I've seen this movie unattended, <clears throat> sorry, and it made me aware, um, you know, that some people got a worse, uh, um, a lot worse than mine in life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so The Elephant Man was directed by David Lynch. Ah, David Lynch, I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. So, you, you know, yeah, and I think, you know, again, it's that, um, um, that immortal line, you know, I am not an animal. Yeah. Uh, which he cries out because again, he was kind of like subjected to all of this kind of like um, mistreatment and uh, kind of, you know, people examined him as a scientific curiosity rather than a person. Yeah. Until, so until I, I think he, I, so sorry. I was going to say, I mean, you know, in terms of having that empathy, you know, yeah. Uh, 
and until he got taken in into the into hospital care because from what I know of of John Merrick's actual biography uh he had the chance to you know live a a, a somewhat dignified life uh mm-hmm. in 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 the hospital right so maybe that that should be the movie recommendation for a classic movie to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, Elephant the Elephant Man. Man yeah. yeah, we should do that. Nineteen eighty, and we can all use a little bit more empathy these yeah, days. Yeah, these days, yeah, for sure. What a way to close! <laughs> what a <laughs> profound and deep. I know this show uh, is normally not so profound and deep, but you know, we went there today. <laughs> yeah, this the theme for twenty seventeen: profound and deep. Profound and deep. All right, we're gonna make it happen. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, it's been great hanging out with everyone for uh, episode one of season two for Asteroids in Exile. And we will see you in a couple weeks. So we'll probably do a um, we'll probably do a tweet or a post or something just to let you know before the episode's going to drop yep. uh, for the next episode. At least a week then, beforehand. Then. At least a week before. So we can, you can get ready, get you, get you excited. Yeah, and hopefully awesome. we get a new version of the recording software we use, which enables us to live stream with the click of a button. Yeah, so what we're going to try some some new things this year. Uh, we might update the um, update our logo, update the website, try some new live streaming things, uh, and effectively update everything. I got a new haircut, so I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Chinese New Year. It's year of the rooster. You might as well update everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Till next. Time. Bye-bye. I'm guessing that in Austria, it's pretty much you have seasonal food, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 So the menu was like, uh, effectively, it was a very, it was a very Austrian restaurant. So it was like, um, the, the sausage, the meat, the sauerkraut, that sort of thing. Whereas my friends are asking for like, um, mixed vegetables and stuff like that. And he's like, well, Get out of my restaurant. Are, no, he's kind of like, there are no vegetables. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Is like the sauerkraut is the vegetable. <laughs> <laughs>